Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show with your host, Jason Brown, where each week Jason teaches you how to get yourself and your clients brutally strong and, of course, well conditioned. What's up, guys? Jason here from Jason Brown Coaching. Today, we are talking about three things that you can add to your conjugate programming to take your game to the next level. And we're gonna start right now. All right, guys, the first thing we're talking about today is the glute ham raise. This is a staple movement in any conjugate program. It is a staple in my programming. I've been using this since I was a very young athlete. And needless to say, I've gotten my hamstrings very, very strong over the years where I've been able to progress my glute ham raise movement to using added load. Now, a lot of people starting out are not able to use at a load and actually a lot of people need a scaling option so there are a variety of scaling options that i'm going to include in this video that you can see and utilize um, but this piece of equipment is unlike any other piece of equipment a lot of times people ask well i don't have one what should i do in place of it and there are certainly things that you could do to train the same musculature but this is very unique in the sense the way it trains the hamstrings group at the knee joint. Very demanding, comparable to a Nordic leg curl. So there is a level of motor control that's needed out of the gate. But good news is there are a lot of scaling options. Now, uh, the glute ham raise or the GHD as a piece of equipment is incredibly versatile. I work with a lot of guys that invest in this piece of equipment. You'll never lose if you don't have one, you decide to invest in it. It is an incredible piece of equipment, not only for the glute ham raise, but a variety of other exercises that you can supplement into your programming. So this piece of equipment, game changer, okay? So we're training the glute ham raise pattern. This is a movement that we're gonna wanna do on either our maximal effort, dynamic effort, or even a sub-maximal effort, lower body training session. You can get to the point where you can accumulate relatively high volume with this, but I would recommend starting with lower rep sets. The hamstrings have a high amount of fast switch muscle fiber, which means they're gonna respond very favorably to lower repetitions. So this thing can be used for even the four to six rep range. Most of the time, typically seeing in the six to 10 is where I find to be optimal. But of course, if you're adding added resistance, then you could uh, really kind of manipulate that rep scheme to match the level of resistance you're adding. So some, some examples would include five sets of five, four sets, six to 10. And then of course you could even go as low as six reps for three reps if you're adding something like a med ball in the front rack position for your additional resistance. You can attach bands to this. So again, a lot of ways to skin the cat with this, but what I would recommend is starting out with one of the regressions, like a box-assisted glute ham raise or a band-assisted glute ham raise. Get comfortable with that pattern, working the hamstrings through that range of motion and nailing this down. You will see tremendous benefits in terms of your big lifts. I've seen people go up on their squat tremendously in a short period of time by just adding this into their programming. So an incredibly versatile piece of equipment that has tons of application. You might be thinking, well, I'm not an athlete anymore. Do I really need to use this? Do I really need to invest in this? I would say an unequivocal yes. This is going to allow you to take your hamstrings to the next level, which we know will carry over to not only strength, body composition, but also our overall health. If we have stronger hamstrings, that's gonna assist us in everyday movement. That's gonna allow us to rely on loading the hamstrings when we're picking things up from the ground, when we're doing uh, training the hip hinge pattern. So again, tons of application. I can't say enough great things about this piece of equipment. I've written about it extensively. You can check out any of my articles on this. Um, this is a game changer. And if you don't have one, highly recommend. This is the Rogue Abrams glute ham raise. 
I've seen people find these used and save a ton of money, uh, but this is a piece of equipment that I've invested in and I use on a weekly basis. So uh, give it a try, drop it in your programming on either one of those lower body sessions, anywhere from three to four sets, six to 10 reps starting out will be a great place to go. And then as you progress, add resistance, and work with some lower rep schemes to have a different stimulus and to build more strength of the hamstrings group. All right guys, the next thing we're talking about is pin movements or concentric based movements where we're starting from essentially a disadvantage. We're starting with our barbell on a pin setting and we're performing our movement. Essentially, we're really focusing on the concentric phase, that raising phase of our movement pattern. First and foremost, we are using this with bilateral movements, our squats, our presses, our deadlifts, and this allows us to strategically work different ranges of motion or sticking points. So let's give the example of the squat. Let's say you are stuck with your lockout, finishing your squat pattern. That's where you tend to have the most issue, and maybe it's a disadvantage in terms of leverage based on your own anthropometrics. We can use the pin variation to target that sticking max or mini max, if you will, to focus on that area and building strength where we are characteristically weak. And again, it's gonna be different for everyone. So you probably know, based on your training history, where you tend to stall with movements like your bench press or your squat or even your deadlift lockout or even starting the deadlift. So a number of different positions we can start from with those movement patterns. First thing to think about here is that because we're working different ranges of motion, how does this affect the body? Does it affect the body in the same way as it would if we were just to perform a squat, bench, or deadlift from the floor or from a rack? Well, the answer is yes and no, and really it depends. A lot of times it depends in fitness, okay? So we have a ton of different variations. Now, if we're starting a squat from that low bottom position, maybe from a hip crease below the knee, so really a full squat pattern, and we're going for a one rep max, uh, through essentially a full range of motion, but we're not doing the eccentric, the lowering phase of the movement, then the overall cost on the body, on the central nervous system, on skeletal muscle, will certainly be less. Now, that's assuming that you go through that raising phase and you rack it. If you go through that raising phase and then you lower the bar back down to the pins, and maybe you're doing a 3RM, there's gonna be a similar cost on both skeletal muscle and the nervous system. However, if you just do an Anderson squat, which is just coming off the pins and really negating that eccentric phase, and maybe you just go ahead and rack the bar, then we're gonna have less overall cost on the body. So if that's the case, then this is a movement where we can work very heavy loads and not have the same amount of stress on our system. So that is a, an advantage of this, a reason why I favor this from time to time with doing maximal effort work. Now on the other end of the spectrum, we can work different positions, which again is going to depend on the person in terms of where they get stuck, but it will also depend on your own individual leverages and limb length, which is different for everyone. Okay, so know that this is a great tool. Concentric based movements is a tool like anything else I have talked about but it's gonna vary from person to person. You're probably wondering, well, how do I use this in my training? Well, you can do it a number of ways. You can do this uh, as far as using repetition effort method, where we're going for more standard hypertrophy rep ranges, or we can use it as a supra-maximal, where essentially we're working a decreased range of motion 
with a much heavier load. So let's just say we're working a high pin squat and we have this essentially set so we're starting from a quarter squat position. You'll likely be able to handle more weight because we're accentuating the lockout and we're starting from a higher position. So that's gonna allow you to neurologically get comfortable with handling much heavier loads. Now, I have seen cases where I have someone work from a higher position with either their squat or their deadlift or even their bench press and they can't work super maximal loads because of their own limb length and their own disadvantages in terms of skeletal muscle. So there is never one size. We might have the goal of using super maximal loads and we might say, well, you'll likely be able to go heavier. Sometimes I people come back and say, well, guess what? I actually couldn't go heavier. I actually, I used my same one RM for that movement, albeit less range of motion and accentuating the lockout. So know that you might do this and say, well, Jason was wrong. Well, again, different for person to person. So know that the overall goal with working a higher position would be super maximal loading, the neurological benefits of, of teaching our central nervous system to fire at an accelerated rate, but that might not be the case because maybe you don't have proper motor patterns built, or maybe you don't have the awareness to brace from that position because in essence, you're starting from a disadvantage. So execution, you need to be able to lock in your position, create tension and be comfortable performing things like one rep max uh, squats, dents, uh, deadlifts or benches. All right, so it's not a beginner method, all right? So probably should have said that first, but I'm saying it now, this is not a method that we're gonna use with beginners. It's a method that will allow us to strategically target sticking points. It's a method that will allow us to vary range of motion. And by varying range of motion, we can save toll on the body. So there's not gonna be as much wear and tear because again, we're, we're exaggerating the lockout phase, our concentric phase of the lift. We are working different ranges of motion. So again, it could be a high, it could be a low, um, really depends on what you're going for on any given day. But this is a method to use on a maximal effort day. What is max effort method? It is a one rep max lift. It's not a 2RM, it's not a 3RM, it is a one rep max. So know that max effort method is a 1RM. Sub-maximal effort method is beyond. So two, three, four, and you know, really as high as you want it to go. I wouldn't recommend going beyond an 8RM, but that's a topic for another day, of course. So concentric based movements, does it check the box with being a great tool? Yes. Does it check the box with having a lot of variability to the individual? Yes. Does it save our body with heavier loads? Yes. So overall, great tool. Use it in your programming and watch your lifts go up. All right, guys, the third and final thing we're gonna talk about today for a strategy in your programming is accommodating based resistance, either chains or bands. Now, first and foremost, accommodating based resistance allows us to do a few things. It allows us to essentially work within the strength curve, which allows us to apply more tension as we get stronger and less tension where we are weaker. So if we think about this in something like a box squat, when we go through our lowering phase, the eccentric phase of the lift and we sit on the box, the chains or bands have the least amount of tension and load. As we come through raising concentric phase of the movement, the chains gather more weight, less links on the floor and the bands get tighter. This allows us to have the benefits of going with the strength curve, giving us more tension where we're strongest. So an incredible tool 
as a means of improving rate of force development. When we do things like dynamic effort training, a lot of times people say, well, like, I can't use bands or chains or, you know, I don't want to set it up, whatever the case may be. It is an incredible tool for dynamic effort training because if we just simply add load to the bar, we will invariably see a loss of bar velocity. If the bar velocity goes too low, then we're essentially missing the boat. We're not gonna get the same improvements to rate of force development as we would if we were able to keep bar velocity intact. But there's a fine line between adding load, adding band or chain, and keeping bar velocity intact. So you're going to need to experiment. I give relative percentages for most people that I've seen to work over the year, which is usually between 40 and 50% of your one rep max, and then adding an additional 25 to 30% in tension with either bands or overall load with chains. You might have be super explosive. Maybe you're very type 2X muscle fiber and you are uh, actually moving faster than you need to and the load is not heavy enough. Then you might need to go up by five to 10% per week of your dynamic effort wave. Now on the other end of the spectrum, you might need to go down. I've seen most people need to go down and most people are typically coming from a background with more endurance, endurance sports like running 5Ks, half marathons, so on. And those are the people that tend to come to me and work with me. Now, if I see that their bar speed is low or maybe they're grinding through the repetitions, then I'll usually use that uh, for my coaching to say, okay, well, we need to go a little bit lighter on subsequent weeks and make sure that we are keeping bar velocity at the forefront. That is the overall objective. So for dynamic effort training, this is an incredible tool. All right, now on the other end of the spectrum, we have things like maximal effort training. And this is where we build to a one rep max with our bilateral movement. Combinating resistance is a tool to keep wear and tear low on the body. So get the benefits of working within the strength curve and giving us more tension where we're strongest. But if we think about doing a back squat of 500 pounds of straight weight, you are 500 pounds lowering, you are 500 pounds raising. Now there are benefits to using just straight weight. I'm not negating the benefits that are there. However, if you are over 35 years of age, and maybe you've been training a long time like I have, and you wanna keep wear and tear low, then you could use 100 pounds of chain or band for your squat, get 500 pounds at the top of the movement, but not have the same overall cost on your system through full range of motion. This is an understated benefit. I have people all the time that are able to still train heavy, they're still able to uh, hit PRs on their lifts and they're not feeling as run down or beat up because we use accommodating base resistance frequently with heavier lifting. So know that the benefits are there in terms of speed work. The benefits are also there in terms of articular wear and tear. So an incredible tool for that I would highly recommend you're using if you have someone that's been in the trenches for a long time. Maybe you've got some, some bumps and bruises and anytime you squat or deadlift heavy, you tend to get flared up. If that's the case for you, this might be the tool that still allows you to train heavy without the wear and tear. Now, there's a, obviously a debate with whether or not older people should be training heavy. And this is certainly a topic for another day we could delve into in another video. But if you are someone that is very type A, you're very motivated, you wanna hit PRs, you can train heavy safely and use accommodating resistance um, and still get similar adaptations. You're still gonna get stronger. You're still gonna feel like you are training heavy, which the psychology piece is something that is very important to good programming. So use accommodating based resistance for your squats, your presses, your deadlifts on your sub-maximal effort or maximal effort training day, and then use it on your dynamic effort training so you are explosive AF, you are moving, you are getting the, the intent of what that work is supposed to be, and you're not compromising bar speed 
by simply adding loading, okay? So a lot of great benefits. Again, we probably do just a video on just accommodating base resistance and have that be its own thing. Um, but this is an incredible tool for longevity for, again, the everyday athlete. You still wanna hit PR, you still wanna look good, but you just can't be sidelined with an injury, okay? None of us can be sidelined with an injury. It takes us away from training, takes us away from our quality of life outside of the gym. This is a tool to keep your quality of life outside of the gym high while still getting in the gym and doing work. Hope that helps, guys. Okay, guys, that's it for today. We've talked about three phenomenal pieces of training, both equipment, uh, as far as movement is concerned, as well as just strategies to implement within our conjugate and conditioning programming. Now, the glute ham raise is a staple movement in conjugate program. You probably heard Louie talk about it in accumulating volume over the course of a month and how it is a game changer. But outside of the glute ham raise, there are a lot of other benefits to using a piece of equipment like the GHD. So again, if you're thinking about investing in your home gym, that is something I would look into getting. Now on the other end, we talked about strategies like concentric work using pins for our squats, presses, and deadlifts, how that allows us to work with different ranges of motion and minimize overall wear and tear in the body. And then we talked about accommodating base resistance, which allows us to train dynamically with our dynamic effort method, which is a bar velocity, to improve rate of force development, but we also talked about how it is so beneficial to reduce wear and tear on the body with heavier lifting, our maximal or sub-maximal effort with bilateral movements. So a ton of great benefits there. All three of these things can help synergistically work within your programming to maximize the results, but also to improve the quality of your life outside of the gym. This was another episode of Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. And be sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. 